meeting of the San Francisco Health Commission. Uh, President Bernal is on a very well-deserved vacation, so I will be chairing the meeting today. And Secretary Morowitz, will you call the roll? Sure, I'll start with you, Commissioner Green. Here. Commissioner Guillermo. Present. Commissioner Chow. Present. And Commissioner Chung. So two very quick announcements before we uh, address the rest of the agenda. The first is that this will be our last virtual meeting. Starting in March, we will all be at 101 Grove for the meetings, but we will have public comment continue to be available remotely. And I know Commissioner uh, Secretary Morowitz and the um, audiovisual team are working very hard right now to make sure that this happens accurately and smoothly. So hopefully the next uh, meeting, all members of the public that wish to make public comment remotely will continue to be able to do so. And the other is that we may um, lose a quorum as this meeting progresses. So there may be some action items on the agenda that we won't be able to complete, but we'll do our best to get through everything and um, complete the agenda today. So I have the privilege of reading the land acknowledgement today. The San Francisco Health Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland, we wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytushaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. Um, the next agenda item will be general public comment. And for this, um, members of the public can make comment on items that are not on the agenda. Thank you, Commissioner. I have a statement to read before I go to the, to the hands, folks. Um, and this is just a tip. Please um, press star three to raise your hand for any agenda item which you would like to make public comment for. And I encourage you to do so at the beginning of the um, item as it's called to make sure your hand is, is recognized. Okay, at this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, but are not on this meeting agenda. Each member of the public may address the commission for up to two minutes. The Brown Act forbids the commission from taking action on discussing or discussing any item not appearing on the posted agenda, including those raised during public comment. Please note that each individual is allowed one opportunity to speak per agenda item. Individuals may not return more than once to read statements from other individuals unable to attend the meeting. Written public comment may be sent to the Health Commission at the following address, email address, mark.morewitz at sfdph.org. If you wish to spell your name for the minutes, you may do so during your verbal comments without taking your allotted time. So again, folks, this is um, for items that are not on, the, not on the agenda. So for general public comment, there's already an item um, for a Laguna Honda update. So if you're planning on making it a Laguna Honda comment, a related comment, this is not the time to do so. All right, caller, I've unmuted you. Please let us know that you're there. Caller. Different factor, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Mr. Manetshaw. Okay, um, I am uh, going to assert uh, uh, asking for a reasonable accommodation. I'm not sure that I can stay on the line, but 
as far as the second root cause analysis following the 90-day monitoring survey. Mr. Manesh, this is not the time for um, a Laguna Honda comment. It will come at the next item. So if you just are patient, you're the only hand. And if you um, just wait uh, a few minutes, then um, you're able to make comment at the correct time. All right, so um, we can move on. Commissioners, that was the only hand. All right. That. Well, then the next item is indeed um, the report from Commissioner Guillermo on the Joint Conference Committee and uh, uh, report from the last meeting of the Laguna Honda uh, JCC. I'm sorry. Uh, was that the was that was that me? <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry. Uh, um, so I will uh, make the uh, brief report on the uh, JCC uh, meeting uh, of last week on February 14th. Uh, at the meeting, uh, the committee reviewed and discussed um, uh, standard open session reports, including the executive team report, the regulatory affairs report. Uh, human resources, uh, hiring and vacancies. Uh, and we also reviewed the autopsy policy and procedure and uh, are making a recommendation to the full health commission, which will come uh, uh, um, soon uh, after my full report. Uh, during the executive team update, uh, Mr. Pickens shared uh, that Laguna Honda is still waiting for CMS approval of the draft action plan that it has submitted. Uh, in regard to current vacancies, uh, Laguna Honda continues to work closely with um, human resources uh, to hire qualified candidates. Uh, Terry Dentoni, Acting Chief Nursing Officer, shared that Laguna Honda continues to provide higher than required staff to patient ratios uh, for its skilled nursing and acute clinic uh, units. And during the regulatory report, the committee was given clarity that as the state continues to clear its backlog of investigations of complaints, the, re the related plans of correction do not correct directly relate to, or correlate with the recertification uh, QI um, work, uh, but there are some crossovers. There was a, a quite a bit of discussion Q&A uh, throughout uh, both the executive team report, uh, the hiring and vacancy report and the regulatory affairs report, some of which will be uh, repeated and reported uh, at the um, uh, in Mr. Pickens' presentation uh, today. Uh, the committee was also happy to hear uh, the news that Dr. Nader Ratanawangsa uh, was hired as the new Laguna Honda Chief Medical Officer, and I apologize if I mispronounced uh, uh, the name of uh, Dr. Ratanawangsa. Uh, Wangsa, right? And, and that um, also wanted to uh, report that uh, recruitment efforts continue uh, in earnest um, for other vacant executive positions. And, uh, and also, um, you know, the part of the discussion was the difficulty in uh, some of the, uh, the recruitment efforts because of the, the um, sort of unsure stat status of the recertification, but that has not uh, deterred uh, the department and human resources from uh, uh, continuing with those recruitment efforts. Uh, so uh, that is the extent of my report for now. Uh, and I said, as I said, some of this will be repeated in Mr. Uh, Pickens' report. Um, I think next. Thank you so much, Commissioner Guillermo. Are there any public comments on this item? 
Yes, I see two hands. Folks in the line, again, we're on item three, the Joint Conference Committee and other, conference, uh, other committee reports. Please press star three if you'd like to make comment. I see two hands. All right, you're unmuted, caller. Please let us know that you're there. Yeah, it's Patrick again. All right, you've got um, three minutes, Mr. Minichel. Regarding the update from the JCC, is the second root cause analysis following the 90-day monitoring survey still draft pending receipt of CMS approval? In, in reviewing CDPH Form 2567 survey inspection reports back to the July 12, 2019 sex abuse scandal at Laguna Honda, a separate November 2019 survey, RCA1, RCA2, uh, across patient care um, items, Laguna Honda has received 88 scope and severity ratings ranging from D as in dog to L as in Lima, including nine immediate jeopardy citations across three years. Add in another 96 citations from the first mock survey regarding patient care issues. Um, and you add uh, the 96 uh, Alpha to Lima scope and severity ratings, including an additional 13 immediate jeopardy findings. This suggests gross mismanagement at Laguna Honda. You need to expedite hiring a nursing home administrator well-versed in how to prevent FTAG patient care violations and stop relying on managers transplanted from elsewhere in the San Francisco Health Network and SFG settings who are versed in acute care hospital regulations, not SNF regulations. I find it shocking that you're hiring Dr. Ratchin Tavanga to be the chief medical officer because she had been, I believe, the um, medical informatics officer at SFGH, suggesting she also does not have experience in skilled nursing facility settings. Um, again, the Laguna Honda restorative care policy uh, for nursing restorative care remains of concern. Uh, I had helped uh, senior occupational and physical therapists uh, working for Dr. Lisa Pasquale at Laguna Honda develop a restorative care program at Laguna Honda in August of 2009, and it was a well-run program until nursing got their hands on it and claimed the rehab department didn't know what it was doing, and so nursing was going to take over the program, which has now been run into the ground. Thank you. you need to get that. All right, next caller, um, you are on there. Hi, um, this is um, Dr. Teresa Palmer. Um, I wanted to again ask about the statement that Roland Pickens made on January 31st at the Board of Supervisors that there is a code or a law to allow Laguna Honda to grandfather in a rooms um, so the uh, 120 bed cut would not be necessary. 
Um, despite requests, uh, the public has received no useful information about this. And uh, we would like to at least see um, what the law says and uh, uh, where it's being, and if we can help support that law to prevent the loss of 120 beds. The other thing is another week has passed. Um, has the action plan for the root cause analysis been accepted yet by CMS? And if not, why not? Um, we need to know if um, things are happening the way they should be happening for uh, the uh, facilities to be uh, saved, intact, and recertified. Thank you very much. All right, that, those are the only two hands, commissioners. Thank you. What about uh, questions or comments from the commissioners? I don't see any hands. I don't either, Commissioner. All right, then. Um, sorry, uh, Dr. Green, I, I did want to make one additional comment. I wanted to uh, thank Zoe Harris uh, for uh, pinch hitting for uh, Mark Morowitz. She did an excellent job, and I wanted to make sure that she was recognized for doing so. She did indeed. Thank you so much for bringing that up. She was wonderful with very little preparation. She was great. So we will now go to the actual Laguna Honda Hospital closure plan recertification update. Can you please have the slides? So good evening, commissioners. Uh, I'm Roland Pickens, interim chief executive officer here at Laguna Honda Hospital. Thank you for this opportunity to present uh, a month, my, a monthly update to the commission on uh, the status of Laguna Honda Hospital. Uh, next slide. Um, um, I think we are all familiar with the circumstances uh, surrounding the decertification back in April of last year um, uh, that resulted after several surveys of noncompliance. Uh, but I think what's most important is the fact that we've been on a a road of continuous improvement and moving towards regulatory compliance ever since uh, April of last year. Uh, next slide. Uh, you recall that um, part of the uh, CMS requirements of, of decertified facilities is that, is that they um, generate a um, patient uh, transfer and closure uh, plan, which uh, we did. Um, you know, obviously there were issues uh, with the plan. It was not the plan we originally put together. Um, there were challenges in the implementation of that plan, which ultimately led to a, a lawsuit by the city and then settlement agreement between the city attorney and CMS that set up uh, new terms for ongoing financing of Laguna, uh, at least through November of this year, 2023. And it also required a revision of the original closure plan and also uh, the establishment of a um, new process to lead Laguna towards uh, recertification. Next slide. That new process to lead Laguna towards recertification, uh, uh, at the heart of it uh, was the requirement that a quality improvement expert skilled in CMS skilled nursing facility uh, regulations uh, had to be identified by Laguna and then approved by CMS to come in and do a retrospective root cause analysis looking at 
uh, all of the survey monitoring activity 18 months prior to that decertification in April of last year. And so uh, Health Services Advisory Group was approved by CMS as that quality improvement expert. They uh, constructed a root cause analysis, uh, shared that root cause analysis with CMS, CMS approved it, and then uh, instructed uh, the QIE Health Services Advisory Group to work with Laguna Honda to uh, develop a action plan with um, measurable milestones in order to address those uh, areas of concern identified in the root cause analysis. Next slide. Okay. Um, there are many components to that settlement agreement. Uh, one of those components in addition to the root cause analysis and the action plan uh, was, is actually a every 90 day um, monitoring survey, survey by CMS. Uh, you'll recall we had that first survey at the end of last November, December. Uh, that resulted in a series of findings. And again, under the terms of the settlement agreement, whenever there's a 90-day survey and there are findings, then the QIE must conduct uh, a, an additional root cause analysis on those new findings uh, and then work with Laguna to add those to our action plan and milestones. Um, we are in the window for our, our second 90-day monitoring survey, which uh, can occur anytime between now uh, and through the month of March. Next slide. So uh, as I mentioned, the action plan that result, uh, that addresses the uh, uh, areas of concern uh, identified in the RCA is our new blueprint for how we will um, attain a CMS regulatory compliance. Uh, the settlement agreement requires that uh, all of the um, corrective actions and milestones that are identified in the action plan, and there are some 460 individual milestones uh, that have been identified uh, that have to be completed between January and May 13th of this year. So. Uh, we have a huge infrastructure that has been set up to uh, help facilitate achievement of those milestones and the monitoring of our progress toward meeting those milestones. Next slide. Uh, in addition, each month, uh, again, another uh, requirement of the settlement agreement, uh, the, qual the quality improvement expert health services advisory group uh, must submit a progress report to CMS uh, outlining the previous month's activities. Uh, the QIE submitted their first report uh, on February 10th as required by the settlement agreement to CMS. And we are pleased to report that all 126 milestones for the month of January were met. So that means of those 460 total milestones, we've knocked off 126. Uh, and I believe for, for this current month of February, we have roughly about 130 milestones that are gonna have to be met in order to show uh, continued compliance towards recertification. Uh, we meet several times during the week internally uh, to monitor our progress. We uh, met today and as of now, we are on target um, to uh, again, completing all of our monthly milestones for February. But again, we watch this very closely. And if 
so that we can uh, try to get on top of any uh, concerns early so that we can be 100% compliant by the end of the month. Next slide. And uh, this is uh, uh, meant to uh, give a one page, um, just timeline in terms of the many activities surrounding our path towards recertification. So the top of this um, chart really talks about those survey readiness, both regulatory survey readiness activities. So it's the every 90 day monitoring surveys, you see how they're stretched out over um, the every 90 day period. Uh, and so uh, this is layered on top of just all of the every, everyday routine operations that go on at Laguna Honda. Uh, and the fact that we are always on a daily basis um, required to be regulatory compliant. So um, when you look at the bottom of this uh, chart, it really then represents uh, the activities of the uh, action plan. The fact that uh, we submitted the action plan um, on January 6th. Um, we uh, then uh, received some uh, initial feedback from CMS and then we uh, were required to incorporate the results of the second root cause analysis that came out of the first monitoring survey and so we revised our response to the action plan and resubmitted that to, um, to CMS uh, on January 31st. We're still awaiting their uh, subsequent additional feedback on this revised plan. Uh, and uh, similarly, um, uh, you know, we um, are also waiting for um, uh, additional comments back from CMS on the revised closure plan, which uh, we submitted to CMS on February 2nd uh, and um, are waiting to get their response as to whether or not uh, both of those documents will be approved. Uh, um, you know, I think it's important to note that we're not letting this lack of response from CMS deter our work. We're moving, we're moving forward uh, as if both of these documents uh, are, are going to be accepted without any major substantial changes uh, because time is of the essence and we needed to move forward. And so I want to assure you that the, that the work is continuing and, and that um, we are um, uh, making, doing our due diligence to show that we are making progress towards CMS uh, regulatory compliance. Next slide. Uh, as I mentioned, um, uh, the settlement agreement uh, required that we update the closure plan based upon the extension of funding through November of this year, uh, and also update that closure plan based upon some of the feedback that we received uh, from the California Department of Public Health, particularly around some of the early transfers and discharges that occurred. Uh, we submitted our revised closure plan to CMS on February 2nd. Uh, again, it's our understanding they are still reviewing our comments and um, we are looking forward to getting their response uh, any day now. But again, our work, uh, we're, you know, we are still doing all of our internal due diligence uh, so that um, uh, if the closure plan were ever required to be implemented, which we 
hope will never be the case, we will at least be ready. So again, we've, we've done our due diligence and are just waiting on, on uh, our colleagues at CMS to come back to us with their final comments and, and hopefully approval on both of these documents. Uh, it's important to just reiterate again that um, on February 1st, um, we received notice that CMS agreed to the city's request through the city attorney's office to continue the pause of involuntary discharges and transfers from Laguna. Uh, we welcomed that approval from CMS, uh, again, because it allows us to focus 100% of our efforts on recertification and not having to divert resources towards uh, doing any kind of um, transfer or discharge uh, related work for our residents. Next slide. And so as I, as I close this, uh, a couple of thoughts just want to leave you with is that the work is still continuing. Um, you, you know, staff have been real troopers throughout this process um, in that, you know, every time we implement um, new changes or, 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 or implement like phase three requirements or just improvements to our regular processes, all of those have people attached to them. People meaning both our residents and our staff. And so uh, as much as we are pushing towards making these uh, needed improvements, we always have to keep in mind that we must address the, the, the personal aspect of how we are engaging our staff uh, to, um, to make these, um, in some cases, pretty significant uh, changes in the way in which uh, we all worked together here at, here at Laguna. I also want to mention that uh, in terms of, of the recruitment of our uh, permanent leadership here at Laguna, we are moving uh, speed ahead with that. Uh, in speaking with Lewina Kim, our DPH Director of Human Resources, uh, her most recent update to me is that uh, she and uh, DPH CFO Greg Wagner are working closely with the City Department of Human Resources to get access to one of the two executive search firms that uh, are on their approved list of city vendors. Uh, and the goal is to um, secure uh, one of those firms by um, March 15th so that they can start the national, the nationwide search. Uh, it's also important to note that um, all five of the top leadership positions, the nursing home administrator, the two assistant nursing home administrators, the uh, director of nursing, the medical director, uh, they have all been listed on the city's recruitment website. So uh, the posting is already out there. There are applicants. Um, and as the search firm is identified and brought on board, anyone who has applied for those positions already just through the regular city process will be referred over to the search firm for the search firm to do their due diligence in vetting candidates and presenting only the most qualified uh, to fill those spots. Uh, Lewina reports that the goal is um, um, to secure the search firm by March 15th, have the search firm start their nationwide search March 15th of April and uh, begin to, to uh, 
review and interview candidates starting uh, as early as May 1st with the goal of having a selection as close to that May 1st deadline as possible. Of course, that, that assumes that we're going to get quality, a quality candidate pool, which is you know, still questionable given where we are, the fact that we are currently an, a decertified facility. Uh, but we're hopeful that through the use of an executive search firm, we will get a sufficient quality pool that would allow us to make a hire sooner rather than later. But it's also important to note that we will not sacrifice quality of individual for, for speediness in time. We would do all of the resident staff and all of us a disservice if we were to rush a hire and not hire the best person for the job. And so we're confident that the exec, executive search firm will help, will help us do that. And also just wanted to leave by saying that, um, you know, we, uh, we have made sure that while those of us who are here uh, in interim leadership positions, uh, we are being supported by skilled nursing facility uh, experts, certified individuals um, through our consultant um, um, engagements. And they are working hand in hand with us uh, in the leadership to make sure that uh, until we get our permanent uh, leaders on board, that we have the expertise in skilled nursing and that we are also utilizing staff from other parts of DPH and the network who also bring expertise in areas that are essential to skilled nursing, for example, in wound care. The fact that we brought over the wound care leadership team from Zuckerberg to assist uh, in our wound care improvements here at Laguna. So I uh, wanted to make sure you're aware of um, these uh, important updates uh, in terms of where we are, and um, I'm happy to uh, try and answer any questions you might have. Thank you so much for that thorough and concise report. And it was very helpful to get the update on, on the search, as well as mentioning that all of this had such an impact on the staff and on the residents. Thank you so much. Is, is there any public comment on this item? Uh, I will check. I see one hand. Um, folks on the line, um, we're on item four, the Laguna Honda um, update. Please press star three if you'd like to make um, a comment. I will unmute the person who has their hand up already. Hi, uh, caller, you're unmuted. Please let us know that you're there. I am. I'm Mr. Moore with Fitzpatrick when I saw it. Um, I was disappointed in seeing Mr. Pickens' PowerPoint presentation because it didn't mention anything um about the uh number of milestones had reached 454 by my count not the 300 milestones he had been previously telling you um it'd be interesting to know how many of those 450 milestones uh, we're scheduled for completion in February, and since it's almost the end of February, how many of them uh, do you really expect to achieve? On page nine, um, he only mentioned in passing the revised closure plan. Um, I remind you, I've testified previously that CMS had complained on February 1st that um, they had not received any response to their suggestions 
Central Laguna Honda on January 13th and January 18th. And yet it's good now hearing that Mr. Kevin Feinlay, the next day after TMS's complaint letter, uh, resubmitted the garage closure plans, apparently incorporating the changes CMS, CDPH, and the California Department of Healthcare Services had provided um, back in the middle of January. I find it strange, though, that you submitted the revised closure plan belatedly, and now we're to believe that 19 days later, CMS has still not approved it. Um, we need to know what's going on with that. Uh, Commissioner Chow had uh, listened to my testimony at the JCC recently about the job uh, description and job recruiting, um, and Commissioner Chow specifically asked for an updated LHH organization chart. Has that been done? And can you provide it to me as a public record now, please? Thank you. The only hand that is raised for this uh, from the public for this item. All right. Are there any commissioner questions or comments on this item? Mr. Chow. Mr. Chow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you. And and thank you, Mr. Pickens, for uh, the additional information beyond. Uh, at the uh, JCC concerning the update as uh, uh, Vice President Green had already noted uh, in terms of the uh, rapid movement on the uh, search firm uh, process for the administrator, because I think that's our best chance in order to get qualified uh, executives uh, to uh, uh, understand what the job is and the challenge and the excitement to take such a position. So. I, I was very pleased with that. I was wondering if you could help describe, you're talking about the 400 milestones, but how do they really relate to those tags that CMS gives us? Because not all tags have the same value, right? And certain tags are actually critical uh, and uh, some are immediate and other tags are really within the realm of uh, uh, these uh, are compliance issues and documentation issues, very important, but are not uh, uh, those that might cause uh, an immediate jeopardy, right? So could you, could you uh, uh, tell us how many of the 400 then represent whatever these other tags are and that uh, as, as uh, obviously they all have to be answered. And I think your time frame, right, to clarify that is that you're talking about the 400 and that we've already done about a hundred and something and we're expecting another a hundred and something in February and you're expecting to complete all 400 by uh, the deadline in May in terms of responding. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Chow. Uh, hopefully I can answer your question. So uh, yes, there are approximately 460 total um, uh, milestones. Uh, it's important to note that Initially, with the initial or, or the first root cause analysis that was done prior to the first 90-day monitoring survey, there were 330 milestones that were developed. 
Then when the first monitoring survey occurred as required under the settlement agreement, the QIE conducted an additional root cause analysis based upon that 90-day survey, in turn worked with Laguna, and we added an additional 100 plus milestones to come up to 460. So originally back in December, January, there were 330 milestones. Now there are 460. One would anticipate that when we have the second 90-day survey sometime over the next 30 or 40 days, there might be additional findings and additional root cause analysis, and then potentially some more milestones. Obviously, we would expect it to be significantly less than what occurred with the first 90-day survey, but just want to make sure you know that that is a potential outcome, that there still may be more milestones. We are, as I mentioned in my presentation, as late as our check-in meeting today, on track to meet all of our 130-odd milestones for the month of February. And my message to staff is that we have no room for error. The settlement agreement clearly says that Laguna must convince CMS that we are making progress, and the best way we can do that is to have 100% compliance with meeting all our milestones. So that is our goal, and we are, at this point, are on track to meeting that goal. In terms of the different CMS regulatory tags, you are correct that tags range from alphabet A up to JKL, and there is a point or a scoring that CMS ascribes to the various regulatory tags, or F tags, J tags, A tags, whatever that may be. That is really focused on the 90-day surveys, because when they did that first 90-day survey, they actually, when they had findings, they had to attribute it to a specific CMS regulatory tag. Unlike the root cause analysis, when the quality improvement expert went back and looked at all of the regulatory surveys 18 months prior to April 2022, they did not ascribe specific regulatory tags with a scoring value. In fact, instead, they looked at what were the themes of the areas of noncompliance. Was it patient's rights, medication management, illicit substances? So, you know, those are more general themes of care as opposed to individual CMS prescribed F tags. So the root cause analysis and the action plan, those 460 milestones themselves don't have a point score, but it's the 66 tags that were cited in the first 90-day monitoring survey that actually do have a total aggregate risk score, and that total score is 796. 
So you, when you look at all 66 of those tags that were cited in the 90-day monitoring survey, when you ascribe them their various points, they total 796. So between now and, and May 13th, um, our goal is to um, document to the QIE and then to CNS that we have fixed and addressed each of those tags. And as we do, that score will go down from 796 to the goal of being at zero by May 13th. Thank you very much. I appreciate that uh, uh, clarification that actually uh, it's really important that we're going to be uh, judged also on the tags right, as, as we go along because that's, that, that's really the final uh, report card that uh, CMS gives us, uh, but that uh, the milestones help in correcting the tags, which now they're uh, attributed to. So that's uh, uh, very helpful to me. Thank you so much for that. That really helped clarify things. I, I don't see any other commissioner hands. I believe Director Colfax had some comments. Well, thank you, uh, Commissioner Green and commissioners. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge uh, Roland Pickens' leadership in the work um, that is that is continued at Laguna Honda and only uh, expanded in response to the CMS uh, requirements. And I think the fact that CMS made the decision to delay any transfers of patients, um, which we know was the right decision, is indicative of how far uh, Mr. Pickens has, has has brought the team and will continue to support the team in the work. And just to say that, you know, up with the 460 milestones, uh, addressing the tags and the aggregate score that, that um, Mr. Pickens just uh, brought up, that, you know, all of these actions um, are in, in response and continue to be in response to hundreds, actually thousands of observations every day in the hospital and bringing that uh, that data-driven approach and then having the Laguna Honda team implement, create and then implement a structure um, to hold uh, the hospital and the teams accountable for, for meeting the goals and the action plan is really indicative of how, how far um, Laguna Honda continues to, to grow um, and change in response uh, to what we know needs to be done, and just to even boil this down further, you know, and in in the neighbor in, in the neighborhoods, having the huddle boards that directly um, address some of these key metrics that Mr. Pickens is focused on, so that everybody at the hospital has ownership in the success um, of recertification. And I'm optimistic um, that uh, we continue to go in the right direction. And just want to thank Mr. Pickens um, and the entire team at Laguna Honda because. There is a lot of work behind every one of these milestones and every one of these uh, tags, and uh, and the team has really um, shown uh, that they're they're up to the task. And there is still a lot more work to do. I think you are clear around some of the vulnerabilities that we continue to have, uh, but again, the 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 path is um, while the path is challenging. I think the 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 team has just done a remarkable job. Thank you. Well, thank you for saying that. And I think the entire commission would associate themselves with, with your comments. And it's, it's quite remarkable that this team has been able to continue with such commitment and such passion um, in the face of, of all of these changes. And I think they really have, you know, rallied and are doing a terrific job and, and working together in a really exemplary way. So th thank you so much. Um, 
Well, if there's nothing else on this item, we, the consent calendar involves one policy uh, for Laguna Honda Hospital, which is the autopsy policies and procedures. And if I may note, the Laguna Honda JCC recommended that, as uh, Commissioner Guillermo noted, uh, the JCC recommended that the full commission approve this policy after discussing it last week at the JCC meeting. Yes. Uh, so, uh, commissioners, uh, uh, as with any consent calendar item, um, all we look for is a motion um, to approve in a second, then I go through with a roll call vote. There's not discussion unless you all uh, pick the item out for discussion. If there's no discussion, is there a motion to approve? So I will make a motion to approve the policy for the Guna Honda, the change of policy for the Guna Honda regarding autopsy. I'll second. All right, and before we go to a roll call vote, I will call public comment. Um, folks online, if you'd like to make public comment on item five, the consent calendar, this is the time to do it. Uh, I see one hand and I will unmute you. Mr. Monette Shaw, you've uh, got three minutes. All right, thank you. Uh, uh, again, I wanna, uh, Pete Geating on the drum about the uh, nursing policy being there's one that all on the nursing restorative care program. Why has this commission not discussed uh, Mr. In, in, in a meeting about the care uh, about the um, policies and procedures that you're considering on your consent calendar, when are you going to put that restorative nursing program on your consent calendar? It's, it's long overdue. That program has been shut down, uh, from my understanding, for going on three years, which is ridiculous because it puts residents at risk of further functional decline when they're not getting restorative care. Why isn't this being made a priority to bring that policy and procedure to the attention of the full health commission and get this thing considered and approved and the program restarted? It's not enough to just get recertification yes that's the ultimate goal but part of becoming recertified must include resuming that restorative care nursing program for the benefit of elderly and disabled residents of Laguna Honda you have to stop stalling on getting that program resumed that starts with getting the policy and procedure Reapproved. Just ask Dr. Lisa Pasquale what happened to the original restorative care level one uh, in centralized rehab gym versus the restorative level two that was supposed to be ward based that nursing never really implemented to begin with. The DOJ in 1998 was very concerned about it being a civil rights violation and you are dragging your feet on this far too long. Thank you. Okay, uh, roll call vote. Commissioner Green. Yes. Commissioner Guillermo. Yes. Commissioner Chung. Yes. And Commissioner Chow. Yes. All right, the item passes. Thank you very much. Okay.
So the next item is the approval of the minutes of the Health Commission meeting of February 7th, 2023. Are there any additions or corrections to the minutes? I, I don't see any hands. Um, is there a motion to approve? So move. I'll second. second. All right, uh, folks on the line, um, if you'd like to make comment on item six, the approval of the minutes of February 7th, 2023, I see one hand. Mr. Manette you've got three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Morowitz. Um, I did not sit through uh, Mr. Um, Raffin's presentation, but reading these minute, meeting minutes, I am absolutely shocked um, that he has the temerity that, to claim that prior to EPIC, Laguna Honda was, quote, not using an electronic health care record system, end quote. What is he thinking? The um, Envision system uh, from Siemens Corporation was an electronic health care record system. Yes, you migrated to EPIC, it's not known whether you migrated the previous uh, medical records contained in the Siemens LCR slash Envision uh, electronic healthcare record system, but uh, these ongoing delays and recurring problems with EPIC are just no fun intended, they're epic in scope. You have an epic failure to implement that epic EHR system, which you've been trying to do ever since it was rolled out in August of 2019. How long is the rollout gonna take? You've been at it for almost four years. Um, that uh, you're having to develop a CARDEX system within EPIC because apparently nurses can't get into uh, patients' medical records to see MD chart notes and uh, uh, progress notes from uh, various clinical disciplines like physical therapy and uh, occupational therapy, it's just astounding. I'll remind you that I put in a records request to find out how many physician referrals are being made for the restorative care OT program versus physician referrals to the TT program. And Raffin and that rotten epic team is saying, that you can't provide that information just like EPIC can't. Uh, they claimed EPIC couldn't tell you how many discharges were being made to out-of-county facilities, which is just ludicrous uh -huh. because in vision. Right, thank you, sir. Uh, so, um, Commissioner Green, I um, I know there's a, a motions, but I'm not sure if uh, commissioners have any comments. It looks like there's not, so I'll do a roll call vote. Um, Commissioner Chung? Yes. Commissioner Guillermo? Yes. 
Commissioner Chow? Yes. And Commissioner Green? Yes. All right, the minutes have passed. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the next item is the director's report, Director Colfax. Hello, good afternoon, commissioners. Grant Colfax, health director, have the director's report here. A lot to cover. Um, and uh, so I'll get right to it. So just with regard to uh, COVID-19 pandemic, just about at our three-year anniversary of the first case reported in San Francisco and our health officer, uh, Dr. Susan Phillip, has announced that uh, San Francisco will end the COVID-19 public health emergency declaration and uh, health orders. So DPH announced that the city's COVID-19 public health emergency declaration and health officer order safer return together along with additional health orders will end on February 28th in alignment with the end of California's COVID-19 state of emergency. While the threat from COVID-19 is not over, as both the virus and the tools to respond to it have evolved over the past few years, San Francisco is now in a significantly better position than at any prior time in the pandemic due to the city's high vaccination and booster rates and the availability of effective COVID-19 treatments. While the San Francisco Health Officer will rescind the Safer Return Together order, the Health Officer intends to issue two orders that will affect hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, and other healthcare and jail settings. Under the first order, staff in these settings will still be required to wear a mask when interacting with patients, clients, or people who are incarcerated. Masking requirements for the general public in these settings will end. In addition, masking requirements in homeless shelters for both the general public and staff will also end. These changes will go into effect on March 1st. Although the Safer Return Together orders masking requirements will be removed for patients, clients, or people who are incarcerated, those who operate these facilities can decide to be more restrictive than local health guidelines and may still implement their own requirements. People can continue to choose to wear a mask around others for added protection, and people should respect others' choices around this issue. Although the COVID-19 landscape continues to change, our commitment to communities most impacted by this virus stands firm. We will continue our vital partnerships with communities to ensure that lower barrier COVID-19 resources, including testing and vaccinations, remain available to those most in need, even as we shift from an emergency response to ongoing recovery. Next item, wanted to bring the Commission's attention to the fact that the Health Department issued a health alert on the dangers of xylazine, also known as TRANK. And the, in, in this regard, the San Francisco Office of the Chief Medical Examiner has determined that four individuals who died of overdoses had low levels of xylazine or TRANK in their systems. Testing overdose decedents who died between mid December 2022 and mid-January 2023, the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner found so far to date that four individuals who died of drug overdoses had low levels of xylazine in their system. The OCME using state grant funding included xylazine as part of a 2022 retesting effort and incorporated it into existing surveillance program for 2023 and onward. Xylazine is a non-opioid veterinary tranquilizer that is not FDA approved for human use. It is commonly mixed with fentanyl, heroin, and other illicit drugs. The identification of xylazine in San Francisco is concerning. 
the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner has not yet seen any xylosine-related wounds or evidence that people in San Francisco are injecting xylosine. To date, DPH has not received any report of skin wounds associated with xylosine, nor xylosine intoxication or withdrawal. These facts suggest that the drug may not yet be widespread, but DPH and its city and community partners are working to learn more, share information, and prepare street response teams to recognize the impacts of xylosine and respond appropriately. DPH is working with public health and healthcare colleagues in assessing the impact of xylosine and developing supportive care options, including treatment. Then in the next item, wanted to let, wanted to highlight that Zuckerberg San Francisco Hospital celebrated uh, 150 years um, through uh, the San Francisco General Hospital Foundation um, through two sold out events at City Hall, the Hearts Gala and the Hearts After Dark, a tribute to the strong support for all of us and our work. At these events, Mayor Breed welcomed hundreds of supporters and Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi received a Lifetime Achievement Award for her decade support to ZSFG at the Hearts Gala. And I am very proud that also uh, Health and Human Service Secretary Becerra um, was the keynote speaker at the event. The showcase of, showcase the event showcased the to the region the significance of Zuckerberg San Francisco General and its place in San Francisco's history as we reached this major milestone. It was a great evening to celebrate and so pleased that the foundation recognized three SFG heroes. Anais Ariaga, a breast cancer survivor and advocate who is spreading awareness about the services and care available to ZSFG to help others. And two ZSFG nurse leaders, Joan Torres, project manager for the Behavioral Health Emergency Response Team, who is honored for her groundbreaking work in leading and implementing the BIRT team that has provided thousands of consultations and interventions with patients to prevent and reduce violence and improve safety on campus. Finally, Murho Roca, urgent care clinical nurse manager, was honored for extraordinary work in launching and managing the COVID-19 and MPOX vaccine clinic at ZSFG. This clinic has provided more than 214,000 COVID and 21,000 MPOX vaccinations to our patients and community. So I wanna thank the foundation for hosting this event and to event chair Elizabeth Minnick and the Hearts and SF co-founders, Pam Baer and Judy Guggenheim for a wonderful evening and for their year round support of our entire ZSFG community. And then um, on a more um, regulatory note at ZSFG, just also really delighted to announce that the Joint Commission will, will recertify ZSF ZSFG's Advanced Primary Stroke Program after conducting a two-day survey of the regulatory affairs and neurosciences teams on February 14th and 15th. As you know, um, these surveys are very intense. Um, they go through a number of procedures, review many aspects of our care. And um, the commission concluded their survey and relayed several positive observations about the program. These congratulations to our, our stroke program staff for their exceptional teamwork and work. Next item, the 2023 Employment Engagement Survey. So important that we consistently um, and comprehensively survey uh, DPH employees. Um, so this is 
uh, being done. Uh, and the survey is conducted by NRC Health. It is brief, meaningful, confidential, and web-based. And we have many strategies for maximum participation in the survey. And employee feedback gathered from the survey responses will inform future workforce development uh, at the Department of Public Health. So I really want to thank the incredible team, including the team at the, in, in the Human Resources Department and at the Department of Health Equity who partnered, um, sorry, in the Division of Health Equity, to, who partnered to develop and um, move this survey forward. And again, we're encouraging all employees across the department to respond to the survey. And finally, um, in terms of our COVID update, wanted to update you on our COVID, COVID numbers. I'll give you a few more uh, up-to-date numbers than are actually in the director's report. So as of, uh, two, uh, as of February 15th, as noted on our public tracker, um, we uh, had 70, sorry. I'm gonna read these numbers and I'll get the, the, the commission more updated numbers. But as of, um, as of 2-8, the San Francisco seven day average of COVID cases per day is 76 and 61 people are hospitalized, um, including five in the intensive care unit. We are seeing some increases in our COVID hospitalizations. Um, this is expected with the uh, new variants uh, increasing, but our health care capacity, uh, our health, our hospital capacity uh, remains remains adequate to care for people. And then, um, in terms of our vaccination, 86% of all San Francisco residents have been vaccinated, and 65% uh, have received a, a, a booster doses. That also includes 38% who received a bivalent uh, booster. 38%, while we'd like to see those the, that percentage be higher, it is much higher than either the state or national averages. So comparatively, uh, San Francisco continues to do well. So that's my director's report. Happy to answer uh, any questions from the commissioners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there uh, any public comment on the item? Folks on the line, if you'd like to make comment on the director's report, which is item seven, please press star three now. I see no hands, commissioners. Any commissioner questions or comments on the director's report? Commissioner, while we're, oh, while we're waiting, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I did just read, I, I just, in terms of my own notes, um, going back to more updated COVID numbers, as of 2.15, the number of COVID cases per day um, is 83, so that's updated. Um, and we, as of 2.16, we had 75 people in the hospital, including nine in the ICU. So. I'm just, uh, I, I had a hard time reading my own handwriting while I was <laughs> looking at the report, but that's just the updated numbers for the commission. Thank you. I, I bet you're a doctor. <laughs> uh, I think Commissioner Chow has his hand up. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Dr. Koufax, thank you. And, and thank you for actually uh, telling us about uh, how well uh, this year's uh, uh, 150th anniversary with the San Francisco Foundation arts program went. My goodness, that uh, must have been uh, a really uh, wonderful event. And uh, 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 both, uh, as you know, uh, Pam Bear and Judy Guggenheim have been really dedicated people. And, and I'm glad that they are uh, noted here and, and acknowledged. Um, I, I, I know it's a typo and I wanted to uh, just point that out to the uh, 
uh, commission and the public uh, that uh, either there's an extra one or the numbers are moved where we are describing the San Francisco residents who had a confirmed case. So that was, uh, as it's reading, it reads 1,900,000. Yes, thank you. And so, we will make that correction. I, I think for the record, that might be useful. I also note that um, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Phillip is away and thought that she might give us a um, explanation, uh, her uh, logic and the logic of the uh, health officer uh, regarding the masking requirements in the general public as I've been sort of uh, questioned about that. And uh, we recognize she's not here today, but uh, it would be very nice if she gave us uh, the uh, logic behind uh, allowing uh, the general public uh, when going into, especially when going into, um, uh, in, well, I was thinking of inpatients where we're requiring our hospital uh, personnel to mask, but we're not requiring the public, which may have just as high a risk of carrying COVID as not. So I just wanted to know her uh, thoughts about that. And, and I appreciate also that uh, in your final report, um, uh, in terms of the COVID, that uh, we are also then uh, able to also report the bivalent number because I think that continues to try to encourage people that it's really an important uh, a booster that we should all be having. And uh, I have appreciated certainly the uh, reports on COVID. And I'm assuming that uh, uh, our uh, commission will continue to receive our daily reports, which will be perfectly fine. Thank you. Thank you. I um, don't. Oh, sorry. I, sorry, I, I can't. I don't know how to raise my hand on the iPad. So, I did have a question for uh, Dr. Colfax. And uh, first, to thank you for your report. Uh, and um, uh, I had a question about the employee survey. Um, uh, could you tell us, uh, Dr. Colfax, when was the last time the survey was held, and is it an annual survey uh, that uh, was? I, I, I think. There was probably because of COVID some interruption in that, if I if I recall correctly. But just sort of curious about. Uh, yes, there there was a um, there was an interruption due to COVID. I, I can certainly return to the commission with the date about the last the last employee survey. Um, you know, I think this this year we're, or this cycle we're taking a somewhat different uh, tack where we're ensuring that we're asking fewer questions that are really, you know, from what we've gotten from feedback from about employees, the most meaningful, and then that we establish a um, roadmap about how to be able to respond to the issues that, that employees bring up and bring forward. So that's that's why we're going um, in this direction for, for this round. And I think we will review and um, making sure that we balance the need to do surveys on a regular basis with actually then responding to the surveys, right? And, and doing the work that, that will hopefully um, uh, turn in you know, a cycle of improvement, right? So a, a cycle where we do a survey, get the responses and then are able to um, respond. And, and then with a follow-up survey, hopefully start to see some changes. And if we don't see changes after a significant amount of time, then, then redirect. So I'm certainly happy to have um, the team come and present to the commission at another date. Um, in more detail about the survey and um, the the plans for respond conducting the survey, responding, analyzing the survey results, and then to your question about how frequently we will plan to do the surveys, 
um, they they can certainly um, provide more information on that. Great, thank you. It's just uh, another s sort of uh, curious thing about the the survey itself. There's such a uh, a, a wide variance in the type of employee that would be responding and you have clinical folks, you have inpatient, you have Laguna Honda folks, you have uh, administrative, you know, and, you know, technology people. So it just be curious to see when the results do come out or based on the changes that you're making, uh, what, uh, what kinds of differences um, are um, the different uh, workforce populations and, you know, targets and how they're responding based on, you know, the work that they do. Uh, and in fact, whether this, you know, I, I don't know what their survey looks like, but whether there needs to be, you know, some, uh, uh, I guess, more targeted types of uh, survey or questions or uh, uh, assessment based on the type, again, of uh, uh, work category uh, in employee population and where they happen to be placed. It's just such a large, you know, workforce population. I think the largest in the city. So I think it's important for us to have a, a sense of how that large uh, employee population is really being impacted. Uh, you know, and what suggestions they have, uh, what concerns they have uh, about uh, their work and how it relates to uh, the department and, and the services the department is. Um, of providing to the public as well as uh, in terms of servicing its own uh, internal uh, constituencies. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll take that back to the team. And Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Guillermo and uh, Director Colfax, the last survey was done in 2019, and then there was a brief follow-up in 2020, uh, but COVID, I think, stopped from there on, just to answer that, that part of the question. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I, I don't see any other commissioner questions or comments. So I think, thank you for the report. And we can now go on to the Community and Public Health Committee update that I believe Commissioner Chung is going to make. Well, actually, Commissioner Chung and Commissioner Chow both attended, but there was not an agreement about who would report because we weren't sure if Commissioner Chung was going to be present or not. So um, if, if I may, I'll, I'll just say that the committee reviewed two presentations and then, and then Commissioners Chow and Chung, can you all chime in? The two presentations were a preliminary findings of the National HIV Behavioral Health Sur Surveillance Survey um, from June to December 2022, and then the whole person integrated care uh, update, intersections with behavioral health. Commissioners, any other details you want to fill? I think I'll just let I chime in with um, in, um, to include, you know, with the National Behavioral Health HIV Survey um, that there is a shift in terms of the demographic, um, and we actually see an increase in um, in women in the sample size. You know, so fifty percent were women, and fifty percent were heterosexual. And there's also an increase in terms of the sampling size for African um, for um, for African Americans. So, so I think that you know the. The discussions we had is, you know, like if we need to continue to pay attention to that, or is it caused by COVID? And I think that um, uh, Dr. Wilson was saying that, you know, like uh, it, it's, you know, it's significant because, you know, like even a small number of increase um, means, you know, it changes the whole. What's the word? the percentage um, and, and it's percentage that we really trying to like get to. 
And in terms of the whole person care, you know, it's great to hear that um, the Maria X uh, Martinez uh, clinics have been really utilized very well. And, um, and they're currently, I actually, I forgot how many um, patients they're serving, you know, who um, were either, you know, um, substance users or, you know, have other medical um, issues, um, frequent flyer um, that um, have a high access of emergency services. Um, so it sounds like um, right now, you know, the program is doing what it's necessary. And then, you know, the newest program that was um, part of the whole person care um, program is the manage alcohol housing, um, manage alcohol, what's the word, manage alcohol um, program. So, um, yeah, so, so currently I think that they have about 10, um, 10 members, you know, in that they are um, providing support to you and they're trying to increase that to 20 and also find a permanent home for them. That's all I have that I think is the highlight. Thank you. That was very thorough. Commissioner Chow, did you have anything to add? Um, I, um, I I think that uh, I covered it. I thought, though, that the wellness program uh, did show, and um, I think you all read, the uh, extensiveness of the network that is being put out now for the whole person uh, program under, under uh, uh, not just uh, uh, the city, but with CalAIM. And all of this integration may actually be helpful. And the uh, staff uh, that presented promised that they were looking at milestones and report cards and should be able to come back in the coming year uh, to tell us uh, what the exact work was. The alcohol program was quite interesting. Those are 10 beds that people go through and uh, apparently they stay for less than a day, but they're trying to increase that to 20 beds and finding a location. So that really sounds like that's a very important service also on a acute level for people who have, uh, you know, serious uh, need for detox. So that was uh, really quite interesting also. So. I appreciate the opportunity to have been part of the uh, uh, committee today. Thank you. Uh, is there any public comment on this item? Folks on the line, we're on item eight, the report back from the Community Public Health Committee from today. Please press star three if you'd like to make a comment. I see no hands, commissioners. And I, are there any other commissioner questions or comments? It doesn't look it. Right, thank you so much. And the next item on the agenda is other business. Do any of the commissioners have any other business they'd like to bring up? I don't see any hands. Is there any public comment? Folks on the line, uh, we're on item nine, other business. Please press star three if you'd like to make comment on this item. No hands, commissioners. Great. Well, then, if I'm reading right, the next item is adjournment. Is there a motion to adjourn? I will move adjournment. Second. Second. I will do a roll call vote. Uh, Commissioner Guillermo? Yes. Commissioner Chow? Yes. Commissioner Chong? Yes. And Commissioner Green? Yes. 
Thank you all very much for these wonderful presentations. A lot of really positive news and for all the hard work that all the staff at DPH is doing. And we will see you in person in a few weeks. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, commissioners.